It's the Cam Rogers Show with Cam Rogers. I know more than you. Every Saturday evening on ESPN New Hampshire. Oh, yeah. I am the greatest. It is the Cam Rogers Show here on ESPN New Hampshire and ESPN NH. Com. I am Cam Rogers. It is Saturday, December 17th, 2016. A frigid one here in Nashua, New Hampshire. That's right. I am on winter break from the University of Maryland. My last winter break of my college career as the tears flow down my face when I say that. Thanks so much for to- joining us here on the program. We're taking up until... 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, as we always do. Let me be of the first to wish you all a happy holiday season. We will not be on next week, Christmas Eve, of course. So enjoy that holiday if you celebrate that one or any other holiday that falls in this realm of the season. Tim Glenday uh, filling in here for Mark Breton. Joining me for this hour as we have a lot to discuss across the National Football League. Week 15 in the NFL, and it's the big stretch And there are some major weather games coming up tomorrow, folks. We're seeing below zero temperatures in Chicago, three degrees at Arrowhead in Kansas City, some rain perhaps at MetLife Stadium between the Giants and the Lions. So a lot of weather to deal with this week, along with the important games here as the playoff picture continues to get a little clearer. It's still a little murky right now. I mean, it's only week week 15. We still have plenty more weeks to go. But uh, there are two teams that are going to the postseason that much we know. The Dallas Cowboys are going to the postseason. The the Seattle Seahawks are going to the postseason. Seattle clinched the NFC West with their win over Los Angeles on Thursday night. We'll recap that game in a matter of moments. And Dallas has just clinched a playoff berth. They can clinch the division in a first-round bye with a win this week and a Giants loss to Detroit. So there's still a lot to be sorted out right now. And right now we can take a look at the playoff picture across the National Football League. You have on the AFC side of things right now, New England is the number one overall seed. They control their own destiny. If they win out, the AFC playoffs will go through Foxborough. If I had a nickel for every time I said that. Uh, And then you have a slew of other teams in the hunt. You have Oakland, you have Kansas City, you have Pittsburgh and Baltimore battling it out in the AFC North. Miami could get into the playoffs right now. Uh, They are on the outside looking in at this juncture. They play the Jets tonight, and we will carry that game here on ESPN New Hampshire. That's tonight at 825 at MetLife Stadium. Matt Moore will be the quarterback, making his first start since the 2011 season. That's when Ricky Williams was playing for the Dolphins, folks. That's how long it's been. So he will uh, get the reins for the rest of the regular season, we presume, because Ryan Tannehill is dealing with a pretty rough injury right now. So we probably won't see him until the playoffs if the Miami Dolphins make it. The Denver Broncos have a big game against the New England Patriots this week, and they are the last seed in the AFC right now uh, because, well, they own uh, one more win than the Dolphins do at this juncture. And uh, if they have a really tough schedule going the rest of the way, playing New England, playing Oakland, playing Kansas City, over 30 wins combined with those three teams. So a rough road coming up for the Denver Broncos. And then the Baltimore Ravens, they're at seven and six. They lost to my New England, pa- or the, my Ravens lost to your New England Patriots on Monday night. And so the Ravens' path to the playoffs is a little bit tougher now. They have to pretty much beat Pittsburgh a week from tomorrow. 
which will be Christmas Day, by the way, uh, to really have a shot at winning the AFC North. They could still get a wild card, though. Let's say Denver loses out, Miami loses two of their next three. That's when things get a little complicated. So Baltimore still in contention for a wild card spot, but you know they want a division win because if you get a division win, obviously you have a playoff game, and we know how at M&T Bank Stadium things can get pretty tough for them. Feel free to weigh in uh, for this hour here, 603-883-9900, 603-883-9900, with any thoughts across the playoff picture, uh, the NFL season. How about your fantasy team? I mean, it's getting there. I mean, it's fantasy playoffs. It's almost Super Bowl week. Uh, so things are certainly very important for all those players out there. I am no longer relevant in fantasy football, unfortunately. So I am just kind of watching the NFL games and enjoying them. Uh, just going through the rest of the AFC playoff picture here. The Chiefs are the number two seed. Steelers at number three. Raiders at number five. And then the Texans at seven and six would be the fourth seed by virtue of winning the AFC South. That has a lot to sort out, though. Uh, the Tennessee Titans are still in it, and even the Indianapolis Colts. On the NFC side of things, you have Dallas as the number one seed right now. If the playoffs end or the season ended today, you have Detroit as the second seed if the season ended today. But the Seahawks are right behind them as the third seed. The Giants are the fifth seed, a wild card team. And then the Falcons, a four seed. Then you have Tampa Bay as the number six seed. And by the way, Tim, Tampa Bay got flexed into a Sunday night football game for the first time in probably a decade. Yeah, maybe in these uniforms. I mean, yeah, it has been a long time. It's certainly a a big news for them. They will be playing the Dallas Cowboys. Of course, Dallas lives on NBC Sunday Night Football, so there's no surprise there. But you have found a way, huh, to have both the Jets and Giants home by having one play Saturday night, which means just like the previous stadium. They put up all the temporary green banners in case anybody knows who's number one and who's number two in that building and rip them all down right. for the game the next day. It, it always looks temporary at MetLife Stadium. It looks like you're visiting even though it's a home game right? because it's predominantly color-schemed for the Giants. And like I say, they take those tarp-type signs down. Oh, yeah, we're, we're really at Giants Stadium again. And the end zone's... Tonight, folks, for the Jets and the Dolphins, as well as the Giants and the Lions, are going to be neutral because there's not enough time between those two games to change things. So the end zones are going to be clear. They're going to be green. Uh, So there's going to be no logos in there or anything. So it's going to be a really interesting sight to see tonight. Well, we have a better shot of you all tuning in to 1250 Manchester and 900 Nashua simply because this is not – one of those games popping up on broadcast TV. That's right. It's on you NFL have to Network. be an NFL Network subscriber for this That's one. Right. Yep. So chances are, while you're doing some of that holiday shopping, and you're right, it's all coming together. First night of Hanukkah is going to be Christmas mm-hmm. Eve. So whatever errands you're running tonight now that the bad weather has sort of got a break here till it rains tomorrow, uh, tune in the radio. Catch some football, at least, if you're hopping from mall to mall or restaurant to restaurant. And certainly drive safely. The roads are still a little slick out there locally here in southern New Hampshire, so certainly take your precautions. Uh, The toys and all that stuff in the stores aren't going anywhere, so take your time. Let's take a look at the Thursday night game that commenced just a couple of days ago. The Los Angeles Rams battled the Seattle Seahawks, and boy, it was not really a contest. Nobody really expected it to be one. The Seahawks ended up winning 24-3. to The Rams fall to 4-10. and 
The Hawks go to 9-4-1, 7-0 at home, might I add. The only undefeated team at home this year. And Seattle, as I mentioned, has clinched an NFC West victory. That means they are going to the postseason. That means the Arizona Cardinals, Mark Breton and my pick to make it to the Super Bowl. They're not winning their respective division. Technically, they're still in the hunt at 5-7-1, the 10th seed out of the NFC. But they need to win out and pray that things fall their way to get any uh, hope, really, of making the postseason this year. It's looking rough for them. The Los Angeles Rams, it was John Fassel who was coaching that one, the former special teams coach, the interim head coach now, due to Jeff Fisher being fired from the team. And that one was a little bit of a shock for some people, not because of his performance with the team, because, of course, he, he owns a pretty bad record with this squad, but the fact that he just signed a two-year extension with the team. And Marcellus Wiley, an on-air personality for ESPN Sports Nation, brought up this theory that if the Rams won at least five games, Jeff Fisher would have had uh, a little boost in incentives under his contract. And people are saying, and Marcellus Wiley is saying, that the players kind of laid down in the game previous to the Seahawks against the Atlanta Falcons where they got destroyed just so Jeff Fisher could not get those incentives. Who knows how much evidence there is to that, but certainly a possibility. Now, when you watched, if you watched, the telecast on Thursday night between Seattle and Los Angeles, the broadcasters there, Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, are saying that the players, they love Jeff Fisher. And they were certainly uh, taken aback when he was fired and let go. So that's certainly a little contradictory to Marcellus Wiley's point. So who really knows what went uh, on between Fisher and the players? I think it was more of a Fisher in the front office situation that they they just had to move on from the guy despite signing a two-year contract just a few weeks ago. Jared Goff started at quarterback. Case Keenum actually went in towards the end of the game because Jared Goff went out with a concussion. Goff, 13 of 25, 135 yards, sacked four times in a QBR, ESPN's ranking of quarterbacks with a 19.2 number. Case Keenum went in, went 5 of 9, 32 yards. And Todd Gurley continues to struggle. 14 carries, 38 yards, less than 3 yards per carry. Los Angeles' receiving core is not helping Jared Goff either. A lot of drops. Kenny Britt, Brian Quick, these guys are not really coming out for Jared Goff on the outside. Tavon Austin, three receptions, 14 yards. That's not what you want to see out of a speedster in Tavon Austin. Meanwhile, the Seattle Seahawks coming off a disgusting loss against the Green Bay Packers where, you know what, it was just a situation in my eyes where Green Bay wanted that game more than Seattle did. Seattle felt like they had a nice cushion in the NFC West perhaps. They could just kind of lay down a little bit against Green Bay and win against a, a really bad Los Angeles team. Green Bay, meanwhile, very desperate in their own right because they have to stay up with the Detroit Lions and uh, Green Bay actually has a shot still at winning the NFC North, so they are certainly fighting hard right now. That one leg of Aaron Rodgers looked so bad Yes, that I thought once they, not that anything's a comfortable lead, but once they had one, I thought, get them out, you know, just That's right. hang on, but don't, don't think of the next couple of games, not the rest of this one, but he was out there, and you could just tell. We're, we're one hit away from boom. Right. Rodgers goes down and can't play. And Rodgers, of course, that calf injury, he is now questionable to play, but he will play against Chicago tomorrow. But certainly something to monitor. I mean, when you have a calf injury and you're in sub-zero temperatures, 
I mean, that's not good for healing. So we'll see how he performs perhaps a whole lot of Ty Montgomery and Christine Michael at the running back position. But let's finish up here this recap of Thursday night. Uh, Tim, I want to get your thoughts here uh, with the Los Angeles Rams. They're 4-2 and two now. Of course, they're making this move from St. Louis to L.A., trying to establish themselves. A new stadium coming in in a couple of years. Head coach is now gone, a very storied head coach, but certainly a guy who really couldn't produce any wins with this team. And they go out and they lay a huge egg against Seattle. They only score three points and no touchdowns at all from Jared Goff, a guy who has looked, quite frankly, lost these last few weeks. It it almost seems like the whole move seems premature. Now, I realize not doing well in St. Louis the last couple years is why they were available. But they get to L.A., with the holdover coach whose best days were in Tennessee, never a winning record with this team. The opening game, you know, we're back in the old, old Coliseum mm-hmm. where you remember watching the L.A. Raiders for a while when the Rams were smart enough to go to Anaheim and get at least a somewhat modern facility where the Angels play. And it's a 9-6 to six field goal battle, which told you right off there's nothing on the field worth watching. And, um, yeah, now you've gotten around to, i got to play my number one overall pick. And it all just seems premature. Like, like we need another year or so of the St. Louis Rams and then go into the new stadium with this number one pick having spent a year or two with the clipboard and ready. And then, ta-da, Hollywood-style debut in California. Instead, it's like the, the holdovers. We're waiting for a debut in the new stadium which, as you say, we've got a couple seasons of this. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, Jeff Fisher, <laughs> he went out and said it to Carissa Thompson. He wants revenge, and he wants to beat the Rams the next chance he has. He wants to beat the Rams and take it to them, which just goes to show uh, there was no love lost between Jeff Fisher and that front office. Yeah, there, there is sometimes, they say a picture's worth a thousand words, you'd look in the eyes of his general manager and realize how much he hated sitting four feet away from him. He just despised him. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, GM stays, coach goes away. It's certainly not just Jeff Fisher's fault. I mean, the skill players for Los Angeles, they're not there on the outside, like I mentioned. And then Todd Gurley coming off a really great year last year, struggling big time, and it's not on him alone either, folks. I hate to blame football players single-handedly because it's such a team-oriented sport. Look at the Rams' ranking on the offensive line, Tim. They're 31st in run blocking. That's not going to do it. That's second to last, just ahead of Minnesota, who, by the way, can't run the ball either. So, I'm not a big fan when someone is trying to be the interim coach that dad's walking along the sideline. Every time I saw Jim Fossil, I, I, I was thinking of a, a game that was being coached last year in basketball where Rick Pitino was in the row behind his son coaching and talking to him the whole time, thinking, he's coaching now. And I don't know what Jim Fossil has left to prove from his days with the Giants or whatever, mm-hmm. that he's there sort of hovering around his son. He's getting at least a shot at being an interim head coach. It's like, Pops, come with the complimentary tickets and enjoy the 50-yard line, but don't be walking up and down the sideline because, you know, everybody's second guess. 
And it's anybody's guess who's going to be the head coach for the Rams next year. Could be Adam, or not Adam Gaze, uh, Josh McDaniels. I mean, people are throwing around Jim Harbaugh again, Pete Carroll. It's like, here we go, all these headliner names, and none of them are going to fall through. I know that. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But certainly Kyle Shanahan is a guy that makes sense, uh, and Josh McDaniels certainly makes sense to me as well. Now, just to wrap up with Seattle, they're in a really good spot now, Tim. I mean, this is a team year in and year out, really consistent, making the playoffs, making some noise. And even when they lose handedly to the Green Bay Packers, 38-10, to they come and bounce back against the Rams. And then they have a really soft schedule coming out. They have the Cardinals, a team that's struggling right now, and the Cardinals are coming to Seattle for that one. Seattle travels to San Francisco to wrap up the season. <clears throat> we'll see uh, what they do in Week 17. They might have a first-round bye locked up by then. Who knows what Detroit does. But for Seattle, I mean, this is a team that I think could dethrone Dallas. I really do. They have a shot. Yeah, I have a feeling that people um, saw their start to the season and started writing them off, Yeah, that they weren't Seattle of old. Well, it takes time in this 17-week season. Now they're playing the kind of football you'd expect them to play. Yeah, I mean, folks, remember, it's all about how you finish. Think about the Giants, those two Super Bowl runs that they had, Baltimore Ravens. It really doesn't matter. If you win the beginning games, it doesn't matter how ugly it is. I mean, just win. And look, if you if you complain about the Patriots division up here in New England, just remember what Seattle's got as your naming for opponents. It's pretty easy out there right. for several years now. Yep. So it's been it's been nice to build it up. I, I will say the one time that I really felt for them was their early days because I was a fan of Chuck Knox. They were in the AFC back then, and they were in the toughest division. Mm-hmm. They, everybody, they were, you know, that was the winning is excellence and most wins in a decade and all that belonged to the Raiders. And the rest of the division was great too. So it's sort of like I felt bad for, well, the, even through the Jim Zorn years, the Seattle team. And I don't feel sorry for them at all because, well, yeah, you get to play teams like the Rams and the 49ers, and they're horrible. They are quite awful at this juncture for sure. Perhaps the 49ers, the worst team in the league right now. I might even put Cleveland ahead of them. I don't know. Uh, All right, let's hit a break here on the Cam Rogers Show. Coming up on the other side, quick Saturday night preview here. Yeah, that's right, Saturday night football, Miami and New York, and then a complete breakdown of New England versus Denver. Coming up on the Cam Rogers Show here on ESPN New Hampshire and ESPNNH.com. Welcome back. It's the Cam Rogers Show here on ESPN New Hampshire and ESPNNH.com. Cam Rogers, Tim Glenday with you. Second segment of the program. Taking you up until 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Hope you're driving safely out there across southern New Hampshire. Uh, The roads are still not great, especially in certain spots. Highways are all right right now, though. Let's get to the Saturday night preview. Miami Dolphins versus the New York Jets. This is certainly a game that is uh, of note for New England Patriots fans out there. Of course, an AFC East rivalry between these two clubs. The Jets have been eliminated, although they beat the 49ers last week in San Francisco. Bryce Petty made some pretty good throws out there. We don't know if he's the long-term answer yet, but, you know, he was slinging it pretty well for uh, all things considered. Meanwhile, Miami, they're actually in the playoff hunt. How I mean, how many times have we said that at this point in the season and then they just falter in the last few weeks? It's what Miami does. This time, we can't blame it on Ryan Tannehill if they do do that because Ryan Tannehill is not starting for the foreseeable future at the quarterback position. As I mentioned, Matt Moore 
will get the start, his first one in five years. And you would assume that the Dolphins are going to rely heavily on Jay Ajayi here, a guy who has really emerged at the running back position. He ran for 111 yards last time they played the Jets. The Jets have a pretty good front seven, uh, especially on the inside, although Ajayi has learned has earned less than 80 yards per game the last five contests, fewer than 3.0 yards per carry. Something's going to give here, I would think, because the Jets just gave up a ton of yards to Carlos Hyde. So I like the idea that somewhere in your putting together a team under the cap that you have a guy old enough to wear a ball cap and carry the clipboard somewhere in your quarterback depth chart. Now, I know Bill... Genius Bill Mm -hmm. escaped with two very young players and got a 3-to-1 start at the beginning of the year while Mr. Brady was suspended. But I think this is exactly Mr. Moore's job until he retires. Come in at a reasonable salary, and if something happens, he can play four or five games for you. Nothing complicated. You won't be designing any offenses around him, but he also won't be in a panic out there. And so to the uh, fact that they are at least in a hunt for a playoff spot, yeah, I'd rather have a veteran quarterback out there. And uh, I think that gives, quite frankly, Miami the edge tonight. Yep, certainly uh, going to be an interesting thing to see here. Matt Moore is going to be playing right behind a center not named Mike Pouncey. Pouncey put on IR, so he is done for the year. So you have a backup center, and you have three starting offensive linemen on the injury report, although all expected to play. It's something to monitor in this game tonight for Miami. This one's going to be 38 degrees, so not brutal at MetLife Stadium tonight, all things considered. Uh, I think this is a really interesting matchup here because you have the Jets. I'm sure they want to play a little bit of a spoiler role here. You have the Dolphins who actually have something to play for. But a part of me, and and I'm putting my Ravens bias aside here, a part of me thinks the Miami Dolphins are going to lose this game, and a part of me thinks the Denver Broncos are going to lose out and perhaps giving the Ravens a a path to the wild card because I just— I don't trust Miami at this juncture in prime time. I think the Jets are going to be— Hungry to ruin their rival's season. And you have Matt Moore, a guy who has not been under center in quite some time, and this time it's with a backup center. So, Jets are so predictable when you watch them, though, and it doesn't matter who they've got out there, Fitzpatrick or now the kids. Mm-hmm. It's find Marshall and throw the ball to him. I mean, I don't know of any other play. I would assume you could get a 4 by 7 card and write down the Jets' offensive <laughs> plays. They don't do anything else. They get in an eye, they run. They don't They don't fake you out of the eye and pass. They're in the eye, they run. Split backs, well, they don't do that much. It's usually three wideouts. But when there's three wideouts, just isolate Marshall, put a camera on him, because that's where they're going to try to throw the ball, even if he's being double-covered. Uh, and I like Marshall, but it's all that the Jets do. And so I, I'm, I'm sorry, I disagree. I think Miami with more on the table. You think they win tonight? They win tonight, and, and I don't mean, ooh, stay tuned for the two-minute warning to see who pulls it out. Yeah. I think they'll have it by eight or nine points by then. Wow. Well, when you look at the Jets injury report, Matt Forte, all you fantasy owners out there, 
he could go, he could not go. We won't know until about an hour and a half before officially. But if he even does suit up, I think Bilal Powell will get bulk of the work in that game. And you mentioned Brandon Marshall there. Three different areas of his body referenced in the injury report. A knee, a foot, and a back injury. He is officially questionable. He was limited all week, as along with Quincy Inunwa, the second wide receiver. And you mentioned how predictable the Jets are. I mean, they don't even have any tight end predict, uh, production at all. They just have no tight ends, it seems like. So, you know, it, it seems to be all Marshall tonight if he does indeed play because Bilal Powell is not really a bell cow back. This seems like one of those places with nothing to lose but maybe try to excite the fans. And incidentally, their last home game, it, it's embarrassing. There's how many million people in Metropolitan New York? And they had a half-empty stadium. I mean, Mm. you couldn't get season ticket holders to give them to their children. They wouldn't (laughs) go to the game. But how does Devin uh, Hester get all the way through? When he gets cut, it does look like his best years are behind him. So he dropped a few. Big deal. This is where you could use him as a wideout. You could do some things for the Jets. Do some razzle-dazzle for the last couple of games. And instead... You know, even what well, Bill was taking a look at him midweek, and it's like, but you had to clear waivers. Well, how did a team like the Jets, not for the salary of a couple of games, pick up Devin Hester? Although I, I do find it interesting that in order to find enough players to fill his roster, Bill signed a guy with $1.2 million left to pay who can't play this weekend. Because he was signed too late. Mr. Michael so he Floyd. gets $400,000 not to even be with the team at Denver. Is this crazy or what? In a place where we've seen Brady and other people give cuts and mm-hmm. put it into signing bonuses. Bill signed a guy for $1.2 million, basically, for the last three games. The first of which he can't play. So I guess doing modern math there, Cam, he's getting six hundred grand a game when and if he uses him for two games. Not a bad gig at all when you get arrested I mean, for that's DUI. Super stuff, isn't it? Oh boy! Uh, to wrap up here, Miami, the Jets. I expect a lot of running back production from both sides. Really, I think Jay Ajayi has a good game. I think Bilal Powell, you know, will, will provide some yards. He had a good game against the 49ers, Although the Niners have one of the worst front sevens right now, I think it's a lot of running backs tonight. Matt Moore probably going to play it safe in terms of game plan. Some conservative throws. Bryce Petty, same deal. Uh, you have Miami by eight, nine points, yeah. I'm going to go with the Jets on an upset here, folks. I think they find a way at home in prime time. I just can't trust Miami right now with Matt Moore at quarterback, although he is a veteran. We'll see how he performs tonight. Let's move on to New England at Denver because this is really big for both teams. I mean, New England, they want to basically shut the door on Oakland or slash Kansas City for that number one overall seed in New England wants the AFC playoffs to go through Foxborough. I got to do Mark's job here and get a little football music going. I like that. There we go. Uh, But you want to talk about history here. In nine career starts in Denver, Tom Brady is 2-7, 16 touchdowns, nine picks with a passer rating of 84.4. Talking about kryptonite, Baltimore certainly kryptonite, and Denver is as well. Brady got over one hump. Can he get over this one? That's the big question mark here. I have a four-syllable word that solves this. Skarnakia. After two years of being gone, it's the same guys, basically. On this offensive line, it didn't look like it could stop a flag last year. Mm-hmm. 
and now they're doing fine. I, I, I just think we won't see what we've seen the last two times the Patriots were out in Denver, which was you can't protect Tom. Tom has to just drill it in the feet so he doesn't get intentional grounding. Yeah, I, I think that's the whole difference this time around. The old guy came out of retirement. He's worked with that offensive line. Uh, you can say what you want about all the other great members of the staff and who gets a sniff at a head coaching job. I'm just glad that Mr. Skarnakia is back as the offensive line coach of the New England Patriots. And the offensive line loves to hear that the Broncos linebacker Brandon Marshall is ruled out. Todd Davis is questionable. And right now, Denver, they have a leaky run, D. They have great corners, a great secondary. But the situation of the front seven for the Broncos is pretty bleak right now, which means it could be a big LeGarrette Blunt game, could be a big Deion Lewis game. Deion Lewis was not there in the AFC Championship game last year. He could be a factor in this one. And so you have the Broncos not stopping the run, folks. And then you have the Broncos offense not being able to run the football. That's not a good formula, especially if you want to make a run at a wild card. Trevor Simeon, seventh-round pick here, he's posted back-to-back 300-plus passing yard games with no interceptions. But, you know, he didn't get the win last week and against the Tennessee Titans, probably a team the Broncos should have won with that defense if the offense just produced some yards. Now Simeon has to beat the New England Patriots, and Bill is going to come after him. Well, and even though I'm saying that I think Brady will be able to go 1,001-1,002, throw it, Vaughn Miller's still around. That's right. And that's, uh, if it wasn't against the Patriots, that for me is actually most enjoyable guy to watch play football right now. And I've never been so huge on defense, but man, do I like watching him play. You know, I love when players sign mega contracts and they go out and prove it again. They go out and do it, and that's what Von Miller is doing. He is earning every cent of that contract that he has. Uh, so I think the matchups here, really, they're on the outside. You have Aqib Tlaib, Chris Harris, top 15 corners in the National Football League matching up with the likes of Chris Hogan. Damian Amendola is not playing in this one. You have Julian Edelman, though. Perhaps even Martellus Bennett will get covered by one of these two corners. And then on the other side, you have Malcolm Butler perhaps going against Demarius Thomas. So some certainly interesting matchups there in the secondary. So I think that's where the game could be won. Just one mistake in the secondary, and that could be it. You saw it with Baltimore last week with Chris Hogan. Yeah, exactly. Making me think of last week's game. We've got a quarterback who sees that mismatch. Simeon's fine, but that's the seasoning he still needs to recognize something at the line and change it. I mean, and and maybe, quite frankly, if I'm Denver, I want him to just run the plays we called for him Mm -hmm. at this point. But, yeah, Brady, do what you want. And if you find that, now Bennett's being covered by a guy half his weight and eight inches smaller, good, throw it to him. He'll just know to do that, quite frankly. Yeah, certainly the intellect is there for Tom Brady. Trevor Simeon still working through things. Tim, this is, you know, a history that is tough for Tom Brady. I mentioned the record, but in terms of confidence level, you seem to be a little higher at this point because of the offensive line particularly. Yeah, I just have been more comfortable all this season, including how well they protected the two kids for the first four mm-hmm. weeks. So I'm uh, I'm kind of with that. It's the, I think the CBS Sports part of this medley there is coming is. up. We'll be on so CBS tomorrow. So 425 tomorrow. Jim Nance, Phil Sims. I'm, I'm an optimistic, not fretting viewer when it comes to the Patriots. <laughs> 
Uh, boy, this is a tough one for me to predict here, folks. I think, you know, you have the Denver Broncos. Like I mentioned, they have a very real possibility of losing out the rest of the year, going 8-8 eight and eight and not even making the playoffs altogether. They could also win out and really make a case for themselves to perhaps win the AFC West. It's going to be a little tough for them, though, the way Kansas City's playing. I'm going to go with the New England Patriots in this game. I think they get it done. I originally had Denver as upsetting them, but look, I don't care as much that Denver's giving up yards on the ground. I care that they're not running the football. And when you don't run the football and you're a one-dimensional against a Bill Belichick defense, by the way, Bill Belichick employs a three-man rush way more than the NFL average. And he makes you, as a quarterback, stand there and dissect the defense and figure out that hole. And sometimes it confuses the heck out of quarterbacks, even Super Bowl MVP quarterbacks. Joe Flacco, you saw it last week. You know, he had to check the ball down a gajillion times because the receivers couldn't find a hole. And the receivers couldn't tell that's what Joe was going to do. Yeah, Joe's incomplete passes were to people who either completed the route, who he thought were going to sit down, or they sat down and he threw it where they were supposed to go. Right. There was an awful lot of we're not doing the same thing between the receiving core, quite frankly, and their QB last week. They just weren't. Yep. Yep. It's certainly a lot more communication in terms of if you're playing against a zone coverage, you've got to be on cue, big time quarterback and receiver or tight end. Uh, so for Simeon, that's going to be the difficulty. I don't think the Patriots blitz. Much. I don't think they really have to because Denver's not really good in pass protection. They're not really good in uh, run blocking. So I think Bill it will be safe to rush four, three, even two. We've seen it before. And make Simeon create the mistakes to throw the interceptions. Hasn't turned the ball over in a couple of games. But uh, it's certainly possible here. It's different when it's Peyton Manning. But this is Trevor Simeon this time around. Brady Manning no more. I think the New England Patriots win this game. It's going to be close. Something around 24-21, something like that. I think the defense makes a play or two, creates a couple turnovers. But at the end of the day, I don't have any trust in this offense for Denver to score as many points as the Patriots do. And Denver, if they lose this game, they are in mega trouble to make the playoffs. Tim, your final score. Uh, I'm going to keep it like you are, where no one's really getting above 24, 25 points. Uh, very close to yours. I'll, I'll say... You know, how how about just so there could be a controversy? We'll have a missed field goal again Ooh. for the poor Patriots, but who nonetheless win at 21-17. There you have it. So Denver uh, would fall uh, to 8-5 and five on the year, and uh, they will have to win out to have any shot at the postseason. And I, I and I like this thing all being mixed up like a soup. Good for Jack Del Rio bringing Oakland back to respectability. I, I just like it. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while. AFC West, certainly a fun one to watch this year. Let's hit a break here on the Cam Rogers Show. A lot more to go through every week 15 game. Tim and I will pick them. Stick around. It's the Cam Rogers Show here on ESPN New Hampshire and ESPNNH.com. Welcome back, Cam Rogers Show here on Saturday, December 17th, 2016. Final segment of the program, Cam Rogers, Tim Glenday with you. And it's time for the Week 15 picks across the National Football League. We gave you a little taste of it with Miami and the Jets tonight, as well as New England and Denver. Let's get through the rest of the slate here. 
And we'll start with a doozy, Cleveland versus Buffalo. If you look at the playoff picture right now, the Buffalo Bills are technically, mathematically in the hunt. They got to win out, get a lot of help, though. They're 6-7 and seven right now, playing a winless Cleveland team, 0-13. Robert Griffin III will start. Looked awful last week against Cincinnati. Any chance he plays a little better here at the Ralph? No, there isn't any chance he plays any better. So he'll be a loser at the Ralph. All right, so Cleveland falls to 0-14. Actually, ag- didn't they come up with, uh, which is sad, guy hasn't been dead that long. Didn't they come up with a corporate name for Ralph Wilson State? That's right, uh, First Energy or something like that? Something like yeah. that. And I thought, yeah. It's just like they didn't wait in Miami when Joe Robbie died. You yeah. know, it's like, well, of course, that's at five names, but... It's come on. It could have been Ralph Wilson Stadium for a while. Yeah, I'm sticking with the Ralph, but I'll take the Buffalo Bills to win this game. They go to seven and seven, keep their slim playoff hopes alive. How about Green Bay and Chicago here, Tim? We talked about it before the program. Sub zero temperatures, winds of 16 miles an hour, and a calf injury for Aaron Rodgers. Upset here? That's that's where I'm gonna yeah roll the dice. I I was so scared for his legs last week. Uh, I think putting him out by uh, Soldier Field. At least it is an old Soldier Field in the sense that they had the hardest, worst carpet Ugh. during, well, I think it's shortened Walter Payton's career, quite frankly. But uh, having said that, yeah, I, I think maybe Green Bay winds up having more problems with the elements tomorrow than Chicago does. Yeah. I certainly think it'll be a close game, divisional game. Throw the records out the window. Matt Barkley has looked pretty good. Alshon Jeffrey coming back from suspension, and the Packers' defense has been. Beaten deep many times this year, folks. So if you are betting the line, I go Chicago for sure. But in straight up, I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers to win this game. And they go to 8-6 uh, and six there to keep up with the Detroit Lions. How about an AFC North battle? The Pittsburgh Steelers, Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are barely, just barely still in the playoff hunt. And they're playing a Pittsburgh team with Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, of course, Big Ben, and Vontez Perfect back for revenge from the playoff game. Usually, these two teams, regardless of how well they're playing, because they've been in the same division forever, well, since Pittsburgh joined the AFC, they win on each other's field. I don't know what it is, whether they're destined to a Super Bowl or destined for a lottery pick. Cincinnati goes to Pittsburgh and wins, it seems, every year, and Pittsburgh goes down to Cincinnati and wins. So stick with the road team, Cam. All right, I think I'm going to go against that trend. I think it breaks. I'm going to go Cincinnati. I think they find a way. No A.J. Green. He's doubtful, so he's probably not going to go. But, look, Big Ben threw three picks against Buffalo last week. He has not looked good since that knee injury. That's a major concern for all those Steeler fans out there. I think Cincinnati, a little chip on their shoulder after that playoff loss. I think they find a way. By the way, this brings briefly back to the whole Brandon Marshall thing. There's, what, two people that get... 78% of the targeted plays mm-hmm. for Pittsburgh. AJ now, Green. they're fun to watch, but it's like, yeah, you also can watch this as if it's in slow motion when you're watching the live feed of the game because I, I, he's just targeting two people. That's it. Andy Dalton's play, certainly not suffering four touchdowns, no picks last two games at a passer rating over 120. Let's go to the Detroit Lions versus New York Giants game. 9-4 and four versus 9-4. and four. This one, temperature not a factor, 50 degrees. It's nice that in that regard, but chance of rain, 72%. And both these teams, they kind of mirror each other because they can't run the football well. No Theo Riddick for the Lions in this one. The Giants are 31st in the league in running the football. 
but how can you pass with so much rain? Well, an Eli Manning seems to need perfect conditions. Does anybody I see on a windy day or a rainy day do the, my hand came that way, but the ball hit my ear and fell behind me? Mm. It's Eli Manning. I say Giants turnovers cost them the game. Detroit right now is the number two seed of the NFC, so this is a big game for them. I'm going to take the Giants at home. I think that defense has really impressed the last few weeks, and they are riding high after that win against Dallas. Who would have thought this game would be so important in Week 15? Tennessee versus Kansas City. This one's going to be in single-digit temperatures. The Titans are in the hunt for the AFC South. They're at 7-6 right there with the Houston Texans. The Chiefs, so darn tough to beat at Arrowhead, and they are... Like I like to call them a very low-key team. They don't make all the highlights. They just do everything really solidly. I think the Chiefs win here. I do, too. I think there was a period of adjustment when Andy got there from Philadelphia. Now it's his team playing his style of football in the noisiest stadium. Sorry, Seattle fans <laughs> who listen on Sound and Cloud or whatever to this. There's nothing like the roar of Arrowhead Stadium. No doubt about it. Indianapolis versus Minnesota now. The Iron Man, Adrian Peterson, has been activated. He will play tomorrow. Fantasy owners, go grab him off the waiver wire because he could have a pretty productive day against an Indianapolis front seven that is not very good. And Andrew Luck not getting a lot of help from his receivers right now. They're not finding separation. Moncrief will be out. It's going to be Xavier Rhodes versus T.Y. Hilton. Matchup of the game in my eyes. This is the last gasp for the Colts here, Tim. Any hope? No, there isn't. Uh, I think the Colts are one of those teams that's playing out the string. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think their effort will even be that great. I mean, this Indianapolis Colts defense has just been shredded these last few weeks. In fact, the entire year. I'll take the Minnesota Vikings at home as well. That's a stadium that can get very loud as well, especially with AP back in the lineup. How about Philadelphia battling my Baltimore Ravens? The Ravens need this one. No Jimmy Smith, their number one corner. But here's why I am okay with that. The Eagles wide receivers, not that great. You have Jordan Matthews, Nelson Aguilar. These guys aren't going to scare cornerbacks. I think it's safe to keep Jimmy Smith on the bench for a week. Save him for Pittsburgh. I think the Ravens at home get this win. They need it a lot more and have a lot more to play for, I should say, than the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, these have been growing pains for their quarterback. It started off so well, everybody thought this was solved in Philadelphia. It isn't solved. Not yet. No. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of comfortable with your Ravens tomorrow. Mm. Certainly a running back carousel in that backfield as well. How about Jacksonville and Houston? The Houston Texans, offensively, they are inept. So are the Jaguars, but the Houstons are a potential playoff team right now. So Brock Osweiler has to step it up. He is not making the throws right now. In fact, he's one of the worst uh, in QBR, according to ESPN. So he's not making it happen himself. It's got to be on Lamar Miller to make it happen with the ground game. All that said, I think Houston will find a way because the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're destined for 2-14 and 14 this year, and Gus Bradley is going to get run out of Jacksonville. Give me Houston. Well, there's another case of someone who the early clipping said Bortles has got it. Right. He don't have it. No. He has it because there's 32 teams. <laughs> if there were 26 teams, he'd be in Canada right now talking about his Grey Cup victory that he had a week ago. So, no, uh, Jacksonville doesn't have much of a chance in this. So, Houston goes to 8-6 and six there. Yep. 405 on Fox, the San Francisco 49ers battling the Atlanta Falcons. Mark's team to really make some noise this year 
Uh, the 49ers just lost to the Jets at home. They're now 1-12. Poor Chip Kelly and that just entire team. It's just been a rough year for them. Ever since winning in week one, you thought, well, maybe. Well, maybe not. They're 1-12, and they have no shot here. Even if it's Colin Kaepernick, Blaine Gabbert, I don't care. Atlanta rolls. How home. big of a spread are we playing with on this one here? Do you That's know? a good question. I don't have that up right now. You know, every once in a while... Ryan has one of those games where he throws for close to 400 yards, <laughs> but he was picked off three times. Right. And so the game winds up, whoa, what do you mean? He only won by two or something. Right. So I'm going to assume Atlanta's favored by enough that perhaps they don't cover. How about that? 14-point spread. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Now that's, that's enough to say, okay, this is one that Atlanta blows the spread but gets the win. That's fair enough. I think we see a lot of Devontae Freeman, by the way, fantasy owners in this game as well. Uh, you just saw uh, Bilal Powell run all over the 49ers last week. New Orleans, Arizona, desperation time for the Cardinals, 5-7-1. They are pretty much on life support. They need this one, and you know what? Drew Brees has not played well these last few weeks. Been throwing three picks the last two weeks. Uh, certainly something we are not used to seeing from him. And the last time that has happened, where a quarterback has thrown three picks in three straight games, how about this name? Tyler Palco. So there you have it. Despite all that, I think the Saints find a way. I think they produce some points. The I just can't trust Carson Palmer. The guy has been struggling. Like, it's just beyond belief. Ever since that NFC Championship game last year, it's been a rough go for Carson. I think the Saints stun the cards. Yeah, I think this is some uh, Boomer Esiason bias that he was ever actually that good in Cincinnati. Mm. I think he's a pedestrian quarterback myself. And Tom Rowe would have gone for somebody who's thrown all those interceptions. So in the spirit of Tom Rowe, I'll go with New Orleans. There you go. Tom Rowe, baby. Uh, 425 game, Oakland-San Diego. A lot of people are saying Oakland couldn't play in the cold weather at Arrowhead. Well, that was proven correct. This time they're playing in 60 degrees in San Diego. So give me Derek Carr and the Raiders. Ditto. How about Sunday night football? Tampa Bay, Dallas. Tampa Bay 8-5, Dallas 11-2. Dak Prescott, well, he's been in the headlines along with Jerry Jones. At first, Jerry got called out by Troy Aikman for how he was publicly saying, you know, it's not completely secure for Dak Prescott the rest of the way. Uh, so with all that bulletin board material, do you think Tampa Bay could just sneak into AT&T Stadium and get a win? No, I think the owner is a buffoon, but it won't matter. I think I'm going to go upset. I think Tampa really? Bay, I think I, they are impressing me. Des Bryant is questionable with a back injury. You just want it to be a mess in terms of who's the uh, rookie of the year down there. I'm a contrarian at yeah. heart. I think Tampa Bay gets it done. Jameis Winston, this is a big test for him. Primetime football. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Monday Night Football, some playoff relevance. You have the Washington Redskins battling the Carolina Panthers. The Redskins are trying to snag a wild card spot. They need this one big time. Carolina, looks like Cam Newton's going to go. Had an MRI in a shoulder earlier this week, though. That's a major concern. I think Washington, Washington blitzes like crazy. Give me Washington. Yep, I think it's time for physical football to win out. I'll go with Washington as well. Certainly that time of year. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for listening to the Cam Rogers Show here on ESPN New Hampshire and ESPNNH.com. We will not be on next week, so enjoy your holiday season and enjoy your NFL Sunday. For Tim, I'm Cam. See ya.